You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Attacking Scrum podcast where Welsh rugby matters. No Dan Killick this weekend. We've allowed him to sneak off to Spain for a bit of recovery. So squeezing into his size six boots, it's a very warm <laughs> welcome to the mighty Murph. Uh, Murph, good to have you back. How are you? I'm very well. How are you, mate? Yes, good, thanks. The uh, the size six boots in question are Dan's, obviously not yours. He's not He's not really a size six. No, he's not. Oh, but, um, okay. Yeah, he's, you know, I think he, he could be. I'll tell you, right, well, <laughs> I'll tell you who has surprisingly small feet from the world of sport. Mm-hmm. Ian Wright. He's lots of footballers, lots of footballers have tiny, tiny little size, feet, yeah. Size seven. Mm. Madness, no. But the, the weird one was in Wanku Kanu, that, and that's obviously that's his name, not uh, yeah. my opinion. He, he was something like size, he was something like size thirteen, fourteen feet, which yeah. is really weird in soccer because obviously it's more more to control when you if, when you move moving the ball about, if you know what I mean. So it's um, true. Yeah. Well, we're less than a, we're less than a minute in, mate, and you've already sworn, so that's good news. That's yeah, and, and we've already gone off topic. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the people playing Murph Bingo will be wetting uh, already. <laughs> Um, obviously, lots has happened since we last spoke. Um, mm. How much did you enjoy the Grand Slam? Did you see it coming? Um, when did we last speak? Was it well, last time you were on air? Was, was after? Was, uh, was around Christmas, I think. Was it really? I thought it was. Yeah. Did we speak just before the Six Nations or something? I think Maybe. we. I think we yeah. spoke, but but not. Uh, yeah, not with recording equipment on. Oh right. Oh okay. Uh, no, I didn't see it coming. I, I you know, everyone. Even the coach was saying if we if we beat France, Grand Slam's on because the way the fixtures were landed and everything else. But um, it was a strange, uh, not strange, but unusual Grand Slam victory, really, because mm. there was absolutely nothing flash really going on. Uh, it just worked like we did enough in every game. Obviously, obviously, when you beat England at home, when you beat Ireland at home, that's not workman like or, or boring in any way. But there was never. Any showboating or the, it's normally quite a, when we do win Grand Slams, it's normally quite a swashbuckling kind of effort. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was really professional and controlled at uh, most times, apart from, you know, obviously being 16 0 down to France and putting, making 10 changes for the Italy game. But, you know, that aside, it was just kind of doing enough at every stage, really. That's it. And yes, and yeah, doing enough to, like you say, doing enough to get past England and Ireland mm. at home is, uh, you know, he's no mean feat. So uh, yeah. Oh, I was I was over the moon with the England game because I, I I have to say I, I don't know if this I, I got any way of proving it, but I called it. I called the England game. Did you? Yeah. Not not by eight points. Mm. I mean, it should, we we had a conversion to make it ten points, so obviously it should be missed. But I, I thought two or three points to us. Yeah. Um, I, I, because because I England had shown. Were you? Mm. Well, mate. I, oh, I, 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 yeah. I, again, this is on record, but yeah, I stuck a, I stuck a ten on Wales to win the slam at the start of the tournament, and yeah. that was that was in part down to the value on offer. Which, uh, they were twelve to one, you know, versus yeah, 
Ireland threes and, and England fours, something like that. I just mm. thought there's no way we're that much worse than those two sides. And no. again, the fixture, the fixtures were kind to us. So we yeah. could get those traditional clunky performances out of the way in the first two and then save the, save the big performances for the, the two best sides in there. So yeah. yeah. And, and England had shown everything in their first two games. Yeah, they had. They'd shown everything they had. So we could just lie in wait knowing what was coming. Knowing what our tactics were going to be, and I just thought that so I mean, I don't think many people saw the pick and go tactic coming. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, our kicking game was perfect for them, and obviously, we were going to play with a proper fullback instead of uh, Yohan Uge or Robbie yeah, Henshaw, Henshaw yeah. which meant which meant fifty, sixty percent of their game was ruled out. <laughs> No, you're absolutely right. And we're going to talk mm. more about Wales later on in the show. Uh, first up, quick word for our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. And if you want to get your hands on some great quality coffee, then you can do so by either going to socoffeetrades.co.uk or by downloading the So Coffee app. However, you get hold of your apps. If you do that, you can even get 15% off. So get stuck into that. Right. Fact or fiction is the first part of the show. And we're going to start with this one, Murph. Cardiff Blues would have been better making signings in the tight five than the star backs that they have secured. Fact or fiction? Uh, stone cold fact. Stone cold fact. <laughs> stone cold fact. I mean, then I mean it was fairly obvious. I mean they tried last season. They signed uh, Ahip and Manoa. Manoa didn't come off. Ahip's still there, um, but they're, they're still lightweight in the second row. Mm. So something's. I mean, uh, Scarlet have just announced, announced Sam Louis of the yeah, Sam Lewis right. from and, and I, I hope the Blues are doing scouring the earth as we speak, looking for one because it's late really to be announcing any signings. They're normally done straight after the Six Nations. Yeah. Um, How much of that do you think is down to the the project reset shenanigans? I don't know. I, I mean, the Ospreys are still announcing signings, and they nearly didn't exist yeah, two weeks ago. So so. Um, I don't know. Um, and what, what makes it worse, the, the, going back to the, um, actual question is the current wingers, uh, really absolutely great, flying. Yeah. And you've signed two players over the top of them uh, who will be more expensive and possibly aren't gonna, you know, on, on current form, aren't necessarily gonna play any better. Now, I suppose the, the other slight curveball could be that should Gareth Anscombe leave, which, I don't see coming in the short term, but should that happen, then, you know, I think you've, you'd probably then see Amos playing a bit more at, at 15, but, you know, he's, yeah. still, he's still going to be off with, off with Wales, you'd imagine. So, yeah, mm. it, it just seems a little confused for me. Good, yeah, you know, as good a players as they are, I think there's bigger priorities. It, it looks like, well, like all, all, all these signings, they're months in a pipeline before we, before we hear anything mm. they've been planned six months in advance I think some of them anyway and early season they probably did uh, when John Mulhill arrived he probably did identify that part of the field where they were struggling but since yeah. then the backs have improved uh, a great deal at the, at the Blues and those two players in particular because I mean early season Alex Summerhill was nowhere it would have been um, but we uh, have this same thing Captain every... America and uh, <laughs> Owen Lane that's right yeah but we have the same thing every season where Summerhill plays well in the pre-seasons and bags a hat full of tries. And then he doesn't seem to feature for a long period of time. Now, I don't know. Mm. And this isn't just a Mulverhill thing. Cause the same thing happened when Danny Wilson was in charge. So That's right, yeah. I don't know whether he's made a drastic improvement because he's always been pretty, pretty eye-catching. And, mm. you know, he's been around four or five seasons now. So mm. I can't quite figure out exactly what it is. No. So he, he must be 23, is he, that, that age, roughly? I so, because I know he was certainly... He was playing when the world, the last World Cup was going on, mm. um, and he was playing for uh, he was playing for Cardiff Blues then. So let's have a quick look. Won't pretend I know off the top of my head. That's good. Wikipedia hasn't got a date of birth for him. So <laughs> but the, the thing that the thing is is uh, as well as uh, Summerhill, they, they've only just signed Jason Harris. So yeah. next season they're going to have five ridiculous wingers. I mean, I I have I've been. Uh, chatting to someone on Twitter about him. Obviously, Halloween was 15. I, I think that was 15 was more urgent than winger. So maybe mm-hmm. they have signed him as a 15. I don't know. And obviously, Owen Ling uh, in the past has, thinks he's a centre. 
He does. He looks bloody comfortable on the wing to me. I've got to say, <laughs> yeah. like he, he will yeah. back himself to either go through someone or random. His finishing looks mm. good. It's, it's bar, I think it's Barmy. He hasn't made the Welsh squad uh, since uh, in the last twelve months. I mean, Luke, Luke Morgan arrived and went straight in, mm. and now he's kind of gone very quiet. Or uh, that might not necessarily be him, but the, the Ospreys form or whatever. Uh, but Owen Apart from an injury, he had an injury, didn't he? He uh, did last summer. New autumn, he, yeah. Well, and last summer as well, didn't he? Mm. Didn't he pick up an injury? Although, yeah, maybe he wasn't even named in the squad then. But he mm. definitely picked up an injury in the um, right at the end of the season, maybe even in the Challenge Cup final. But he looks, mm. yeah, I mean, he looks comfortable. And I would, he will certainly be in that bigger, um, you know, World the, Cup squad, the big World Cup squad. Yeah, he'll make the longest. You'd have thought, wouldn't you? Uh, I mean. Yeah, but also I, I find it balmy that he hasn't been in yet in any in any of the squads. The autumn, definitely autumn. I mean, yeah. uh, I'd have to we'd have to go through the names that made it. Luke, um, Luke Morgan's the one I picked out, but there was others yeah. I thought Jonah, that were playing as well as Jonah Holmes. Kind of yeah, that, Jonah that Holmes exactly out of nowhere, didn't it? Yeah. Um, so uh, you know may, maybe. Um, uh, Owen Lane's insistence that he's a centre is what's coming against him with the selectors. I don't, I don't know, but certainly everything he's done on the pitch to me suggests that they're not paying attention. Mm. Well, there we are. If Cardiff Blues aren't able to make sign-ins up front, which, as you say, it's fairly late in the day now to not be linked with some players, mm. how do you think they will fare next season? Um, probably, probably a bit better because the they would have more um, uh, stability. Is not the mm-hmm. word. Uh, um, Familiarity. Yeah, with the coach, because obviously a new coach. And, and they, the first three games of the season, they managed to find a way to lose when they were in winning positions. Like, they probably passed that now, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but uh, what we're saying about their front five, you could say about all four regions. Um, they're soft on the belly of, of every region when, it, when they get into the high end. European games is their front five every time. Um, and that's, I mean, that's obviously partly cash. Um, we are, I think most of the regions are developing young front five forwards better than they were mm. a few seasons ago. But I mean, it, I, I've been watching, obviously, I've been watching everything all the time, like I normally do. And, uh, the, the European games, I've heard TV, um, TV, Pundits saying how wonderful the Saracens uh, Academy is, and, yeah. and you know that they've turned out Cruz, the Toje, and Ezekwe. That's fine, but they haven't turned out a tight head that I can think of. Mm. And what they do when they don't turn out a tight head is go and buy mountains of meat. So they bought yeah, yeah, yeah. Vincent Clark and Figalo, is it the Argentinian? Yeah. So that's that's fine, but we can't do like in in our weak spots. Mm-hmm. You, when I say we, I mean the four regions. Yeah, we can't say okay. Well, we have managed to, to develop a player. We're just going to go and spend a fortune on two monsters mm. and stick them in our side. And that that is the difference. And that, particularly, as as I can say, and particularly when you get to the high positions, end, particularly in tight head and in second row, they're they're very very hard to come by. And yeah. it's also one of those positions where you mature over time, don't you? You know, very few very few yeah. tight head props mm. come to the scene, and they're you know, their scrummaging is up to scratch straight away because you you learn that through getting exposed to playing yeah, first team no, rugby. You can't kind of create that or recreate that in the gym, the day-to-day, you know, not the day-to-day, the Saturday-to-Saturday yeah. of uh, being a tight head and the stresses it puts on you and everything. So it just takes time. I mean, the, the props do mature much sooner than they used to. Um, uh, and or, or or should I say they reached their peak sooner than they used to they used to be they, I mean they used to be well in their thirties mm. when I was younger before they were at the peak of their powers and now it's kind of mid twenties and whatever so um yeah but you can't you can't just f- force it and 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 like I say the big clubs when they have, when they get the praise of developing all these players but when when it counts they just go and buy what they Red need you know what I mean yeah, yeah so. I think sticking with that theme and I'm. You know, as you'll have heard on podcasts in the past, I think sometimes it can be an all too convenient excuse when we say that we don't have the money. And that's, you know, and that is obviously, of course, it makes it makes a big difference. But you do look Mm. at the likes of how much Benetton have improved recently under good coaching and even to go go back to the to the Scarlet's run that they went on. And, Mm. you know, how shrewd they were with their signings and how they bought talent through just because we don't have the funding doesn't mean that you can. 
you know, you can just say, oh, well, that's it. We're going to be hopeless. You know, there is, oh, no, there is no. room in between. That's right. But yeah. yeah, I get what you're saying about the, the very, the very top teams. Uh, and, and, and the thing is, that's who you're going to come up against mm. when you go into the group stages of the European Cup or whatever. Mm. But Bennett, Bennett had made me laugh because they, from all I've seen this season, I, I haven't, avidly watched every second of their games where I've seen most of them. Yeah. Uh, they play better when their Italian nationals are gone, Italian internationals yeah, are gone, yeah, yeah. because all the South Africans that they brought in take over of the running mm. of the team. And I think they were undefeated during the Six Nations. Uh, I'd have to double check, but they had a very good, you know, a lot, a lot of teams uh, struggled during the Six Nations because of the disruption. And Benetton were brilliant in that session. And I think it's because the South Africans were in charge. Yeah, you are. You could be right. I know they did. They gave uh, the Dragons a fifty-point hammering the day that mm. England that England went to Cardiff. So, mm. yeah, that was uh, you know kind of <laughs> you probably don't read yeah, too but, much into that fixture, but no. But I think they did some other uh, great result. I think they beat one of the big Irish provinces mm. as well during that gap. So, um, and you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if they're paying big money for the South Africans or what, but we could use some of those for <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, exactly, and I think that's it. So, you know, while it while money does, of course, it makes it, it makes that big difference, like you say. I, I just think that sometimes we can use it a bit too easily as an mm. excuse. But on Friday yeah. night, I thought you saw the the standard of what the of what Munster bought off the bench versus what Cardiff were able to do, kind mm. of summed it up there. Really, I thought generally speaking, the Blues played well for for large chunks of that game. And when it came into the when it came into the kind of fifty five sixty minute mark, you look at the quality of players coming off the bench, and you've got Matthew Sun and and Tyg Byrne and players of that caliber coming on to make a real difference. That's where that's where it, it really does show. Yeah, and um, it goes back to the um, well. There's two things there. Is one is uh, from from what I've seen of Cardiff this year, they can't defend properly unless Josh Navidi's playing. Yeah. And the other one is uh, goes back to um, I think I've probably said on the on the pod before is um, Griff when he was <laughs> when he was at the Ospreys if they were playing Munster whatever team they picked they would look at uh, the Munster team if they've gone away this is the Toma Park mm. or whatever they'd look at the Munster team and if Peter Romani was playing they'd know they were knackered yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and when I saw the Munster team I saw Peter Romani and Conor Murray I thought at least one of them would be rested after the Edinburgh game because that was mm. a tough match. And uh, they were both playing, and I knew possibly without Navidi they weren't going to win over there. But I didn't really see a, 20, a forty pointer coming. No, no, I don't think the score necessarily told the whole uh, the whole story. Mm. There. I haven't seen the end of that game actually. So yeah. when the floodgates opened, I haven't, well, that, I haven't that's seen that that's really what happened. Is yeah, they mm. weren't able to cope, and once the game slipped away, Munster put the foot on the throat and really kind of really made it count. But, you know, there was, there was large chunks of the game I thought they were in it. But anyway, let's stick with recruitment as we move on to point two. Okay. Dragons have to secure a top quality head coach ahead of any other recruitment this summer, fact or fiction? Um, probably, but uh, again, th- these things are normally done by now. Yeah. Uh, so if we haven't heard anything, then... Uh, and also, uh, that aside, I think it's touch and go between a top quality coach and a top quality outside half. Yeah. Um, because I think, uh, like there's talk about Reese Priestland coming over the bridge. It seems the latest development in that regard is that he's going to get offered a new Bath contract and he's going to stay put right. in the West Country, which, which, yeah, you know, would, I, I think it, signing of that quality would have made, definitely made a difference. Mm. If he's likely to stay there, that means Anscombe's not going there then. Like, cause it, it would Bristol, depend on. Bristol were apparently linked to it. Yeah, oh, were they? Oh, I yeah. thought it was Bath initially. I think they both, I think they both were. But oh, right. Again, you know, it'd be a big paycheck to go to, to yeah. Bristol because they've got some serious cash to throw around. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean. Oh, right. Uh, so that makes it. Yeah. Well, I mean, from Newport's point of view, if Preston's not available, then that's the end of it. But then you've got Owen Williams. Mm. Um, he's not getting much game time at Gloucester. And the other one, if, if Big Air Franscombe goes to Bristol, then Callum Sheedy's going to be available, I would imagine. Yeah. So they've got to, I mean, they, I don't know if Callum Sheedy is the answer, really. I, I'd want someone much more experienced if I was Newport. Well, here's one for you. This is one that has been mooted this week. Sam Davis, apparently, could be, you know, he's, he's right. out of contract and hasn't been offered a new contract by the look of it. 
what would you make of that as uh, an outside half to slot into the Dragons? Obviously, has that bit more experience. Yeah. Been around the block a, a while now. Unlikely to be away with Wales, you would imagine. Not on the current form, no. Um, yeah, I mean, it will be, be a step forward from where they are. Mm. Like, I, I've been, I've definitely been on moaning about they went into the season with uh, over the hill Gavin, Gavin Henson mm. and teenaged, what's the other outside Arthur? Uh, uh, Robson. Uh, Robson. No, there's another guy. Uh, who am I thinking of? Um, he's been playing. Uh, Luke something? No. Josh Lewis. Josh Lewis. Yeah, he's a, he's a little Listen. bit older. He's a little bit older than that, mm. but he's yeah. Again, you know, he's he's been um he's been hit and miss. And to bring it back to the coaching point, this is where I think that this is the number one priority, right. because we've seen a lot of players come in and out for Dragons, and largely speaking, it's a handful of youngsters who've impressed with individual performances. You think of Wayne Wright, Basham's been very good lately. Obviously, Ollie Griffiths we've seen for a, for quite a few seasons now, mm. but really outside of that. Players who've come in and then gone out haven't made a massive impact. And, you, you know, you can even say that you look at look at Ross Moriarty and you know mm. how big a fan of his I am and, and what mm. a good player he is. He looks pretty average playing for the Dragons. And I think that's because the whole setup is just so disjointed at the moment. Right. And yeah, yeah. That's what it that's what it needs for me. It needs some real strong direction from top down. And I think in order to do that, you need someone who's got the experience of rebuilding a side and instilling mm. some really strong coaching uh, practices. Because, you know, and again, we've, we've said before it would, how good it would be to have the regions as a, you know, as a breeding ground for, for young Welsh coaches at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's moment, one of my pet hates, yeah. Yeah, no, and I, and I get it. And, but at the moment, it, you know, the, if the Dragons go down that route, as we've seen them do before, and this is, this is no slight on Kerry James, who I think has done a good job in, in difficult mm. circumstances, but we've seen this before, you know, with, with Darren Edwards and, you know, he came in, made a difference for a while and, and it didn't quite work out. And mm. I have a feeling that that would be a similar, a similar end result. I think really what we need is someone like, uh, you know, like a Richard Cockrell, who's done, who's done a fantastic job at turning around Edinburgh's fortunes, I think. Right. Just a much more competitive side. Yeah. Someone who's a, a real kind of, imposing figure in the dressing room and adds that adds that level of structure and you know whether or not we're going to get that I don't know but that well, for the, me is it's, it's a coach of that caliber I think is required mm, the, the, the question is aside from Richard Cockrell mm. who else fits the bill well, I mean, a, it, a couple have been linked this week. There was an article oh, they, in August. Oh, yeah. I'm well off the pace here, mate. Well off well, the pace. Go on. If you hadn't said it, mate, it'd have been a perfect little segue and I'd have made it look <laughs> as though we, we kind of rehearsed this. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's, yeah, a couple, a couple have been linked in, um, an article in the Argus this week from, mm -hmm. from Curie. Is it one of them, Mike Reddock? <laughs> it's not, no. It's, oh, good. Uh, oh, yeah. good. So okay. it's uh, an article written by Chris Kerwin, who's, you know, uh, has his finger on the pulse with these things. Mm -hmm. And apparently on Buttress's shortlist are basically the, the bulk of the Wales setup. So Howley, McBride, Edward. Right. Right. And Graham Rowntree was another one who was thrown into the mix. Mm. So <laughs> I suppose Rowntree fits the bill in being similar to Cockrell because he's a, a gnarly old ex-Leicester and England front rower, but yeah. again, hasn't necessarily got that head coach experience, has, you know, experience at, at the highest level, having been scrum coach in, mm. you know, in international and, and on the Lions tours and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, there are a couple of names who've been linked. Not that that means that they're, that they're definitely interested, but no. apparently still on the shortlist. Any of those that you think would, uh, would be a good fit? Um, I'm not sure about Roundtree for the reasons you gave about mm. being a head coach, but then you could say that for the others too. Yeah. Um, but the, I mean, the other possibility, I don't, I don't think he'd ever come to Wales, but if Newcastle get relegated, Dean Richards might mm. be available. I don't, I mean, if he's still in the contract, he'll coach him in the championship. But, um, well, it, it, that goes back to what we were saying about developing, um, Welsh coaches yeah. is once Scotland leaves and this current crowd are kind of out of work, they should be reintegrated back into regional coaching. Mm. So, um, and if the WIU, uh, own the Dragons, then it would make 
the negotiations quite straightforward, you'd have thought, to get um, either McBride and Howley as a team mm. or just one of them. I can't see Edwards going to the Dragon. No, and it's something that's been, you know, it's been lingering on for a while, hasn't it? There was the whole stuff this time last year where he was supposedly going to come in as a defence coach and then ended mm. up doing that role for the Ospreys. Mm. Then you had him supposedly coming in as a as an interim coach after right. attacking yeah. a Jackman, and that didn't materialise. So it's either third time lucky or he's, he's, he's a new fan. he's a new Mike Ryder. <laughs> he's linked every job. <laughs> yeah, every time there's a coaching post available, his name's mentioned. The Alan Kerr um, of Welsh rugby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and of course now he, even his Wigan job is not set in stone. Yeah. So. Who knows where he's ending up? No, I still have a feeling he'll end up back at Wasps, actually. But if there is a way of keeping him in Wales in in some regard, I think that would be mm. that would definitely be be preferable. But look, for me, it's 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 someone of that quality. It's just it's it's very easy oh, to yeah, hear yeah. And say that's what's needed. But to be honest, I think if you don't do it, you may as well you may as well pull the shutters down because it, it it's shown no signs of getting any better with no. with what's happened in the meantime. I think that is the one thing that's missing. And you know, on top of that, you're probably going to need private investment whether it's from from buttress or whoever but well, it hasn't the um chief exec just stood down after one yeah, year that's right after a year oh uh, yeah md i think and yeah okay. yeah so yeah again more more changes at more changes off the field but it's you know you can't imagine it being a quick fix but what they need is they need the dragons to get competitive for a season mm. and yeah. uh, and try and try and stabilize a bit because again like i say that the youngsters there are good uh, good quality players and you know particularly in the in the pack but you know you like you know like we said you know same story with with cardiff blues recruiting some some quality outside backs You've got to look at that Moriarty signing and think it was a um, it was a mistake because he's he's away with Wales a lot and fantastic he's been mm. fantastic for Wales he struggled to to quite fit into the side and to be honest one area where Dragons haven't struggled for players is is in the back row yeah. and yes there's been a lot of injuries there but it has been a position historically that we've had a, a fair crack of players whereas in the tight five and as you said an experienced outside half who can play with some back foot ball is, uh, is mm. probably what was required. <laughs> yeah, being on the back foot, yeah. Uh, um, the, the thing, the trouble is, it, like, like I said, is uh, all the regions need front five mm. bolstering. And where do they come from? You know, obviously they are there, but you've got to compete with the French money and the English money. You do. And that's, that is the, you know, I think that is why when we get to the the big, the big games against the, you know, for Cardiff this year, it was Glasgow at home. That was, it was yeah. That was the chance to stand up and shine, and they they just got blitzed. I mean, I, I thought the, uh, I was there actually. The I thought the Glasgow Warriors were just stood on top of Thomas um, Williams the whole time. Every time mm. picked up the ball, someone stood on top of him, but it didn't change the fact that the lineup was all over the shot, and they probably got done in the scrum too. So. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's difficult difficult to win games when both those things fall apart. Uh, someone yeah. else who's been struggling to win games in 2019 is Wayne Pivak. So point three, Scarlet's form under Wayne Pivak this season is a cause for concern for Wales fans. Fact or fiction? Oh, fact. Mm. Yeah, uh, I mean, last year he could do no wrong. Yeah, <laughs> gets the big job, and now. Not 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 just him, but I think everyone at the club has underperformed. Mm. You know, uh, obviously, all the Welsh boys have had a great Six Nations, but their club form, actual things they've done on the pitch for their club, this include, probably includes jo- even Jonathan Davis. He hasn't been at his best for his club. Uh, Gareth Davis hasn't. Mm. He hasn't been. He hasn't been in last season's form. Last season, he's that thing where he, he completely turned Manonu inside out in the yeah. quarter final. It was just beautiful. I, I I know it's old man on him, not young man on him, but still, you know that you could put you could put that in your scrapbook, you know, when you're older. God, it, it was just amazing. Yeah. Uh, but that that none of that kind of sparkling back play as they've had flashes of it, but none of it has been coming to the fore this season. And uh, whether that starts up front or I don't know what what the root of their problems are. Injuries was one of them at one stage. They haven't got that. They haven't got too many injuries on their hands now. As well, mm-hmm. I suppose they still got Blake Thompson, Aaron Shingler, Jake Ball not playing. 
but that's a shorter list than it was at Christmas time. Well, yeah, and at the, the start of the season, I think they they pretty much had a full, you know, not that it would necessarily have been the first fifteen, but they had a you could you could pick a fifteen of injured Scarlets players who mm. who were you know weren't available for selection. So I think that that has been part of the problem. We've said this before that I don't think the recruits this season have been well they haven't been up to the the standard that they have no. been in the past and when you lose players like Barkley and Byrne that's going to make a, a massive difference particularly the way they play which is so reliant on on turning ball over and mm, you know yeah. Byrne is obviously one of the best exponents of that Barkley was especially considering he was playing number eight you know you'd more often than not have two fetches in the back row which yeah. can cause problems so I think that's been part of it however Nonetheless, you know, closing games out, you take the Edinburgh game and to be 12, you know, to be 12 nil up and they looked like they were absolutely cruising, to be honest. They were finding, they were in plenty of joy. Johnny mm. McNichol at first receiver looked like a really nice shrewd option. He was creating lots of problems, uh, you know, good distribution and the, the option to go. And then the second half, they just simply didn't come out. And they're the things that I think will be, will be a bit worrying. Yeah. I, I, and, um, First half against Cardiff. I mean, I know yeah, lots yeah, yeah. of rested players in that game, but even your second team shouldn't concede 38 points and a half. I mean, Cardiff um, hammered them twice this season. They could they hammered yeah. them Christmas at Parker Scarlets as well. Yeah. It, uh, it's a funny old season. Uh, obviously, Scarlets have fallen off their top form from last mm. year, and um, the Ospreys just seem to be firmly in transition. Yeah. And um, the Blues are kind of there, but not there, if you know what I mean. Almost there. Yeah. The backs, the the, the, the backs are in great form, but they just can't. And like I'm repeating myself, but they just can't be consistent enough up front. I don't think to. Yeah. I mean, they. I think they. The way the Scarlets are playing, the, the Blues are probably a couple of steps away from taking over as the best region. But they can't quite put it together long enough. You know, if you know what I mean, it's the thing. Yeah. Well, that to do that. Yeah, that run that Scarlets went on last season. And yeah, in fact, that the whole yeah, in the season before they won the title, you know, you don't win the title and make a European semi-final if you don't have a strong pack, good set piece, and and a good defence. And they had mm. all of the, they had all of those things during that time. Yeah. And that's what that's what the, that's what the Blues don't have at the moment. And oh, yeah. you know, they're they're the things that they're going to have to fill in. You know, obviously, I feel like we're, we're straying back onto Blues territory, but yeah, that's, how do we do that? Yeah. <laughs> I was talking broadly about a strange season for all the yeah. regions and ended up saying that the Blues are in a position where they could become the strongest region, the way things are going. But um, going back to the original part, yeah. Wayne Keebrack again, it is, it, we didn't, I didn't actually answer the question. It is a big worry, I think, because yeah. he, he has had this situation for weeks. It's not like a temporary thing where he's been able to work through it. It's, it's the whole season has been in this kind of, um, this kind of mode, if you like, mm. where they're not quite firing. And, uh, when it, part of the success, I think that he had previously was, uh, uh with the uh, Scarlets was based on excellent recruitment. Mm. It was being really good at recruitment doesn't really qualify you for international duty. Because no, you've, you've got the players there, you've got a pool of players, and you've got to get the best out of them. So uh, it is it is a worry. I, I mean, it, it can we as Welsh people we know it can go really quickly pear shaped mm. when one man one uh, coach is either sacked or stands down or finishes his contract, and the next side comes in because it wasn't well. It was the it was. One coach ago, we're on Gap, and the one before was Gareth, yeah. Gareth Jenkins. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it, it, that's how. I mean, I don't think we could get, ever get back to sacking the coach in the car park again. Kind of shambles, WRU kind of stuff. I don't. I don't think the organisation is that bad anymore that we mm. could end up in that thing. But you could end up with a coach who has got no control and, you know, uh, got no um, respect in the dressing room in a very short space of time. So um, it, it is a worry, I think, the Pivac situation. Yeah, and, you know, I, I suppose the other, to play devil's advocate, you could argue perhaps that, you know, so I think, you know, some of his selections this season have been a bit, have been a bit concerning, you mm. know, with kind of Hadley Park playing 10 at Christmas and mm. and all that kind of stuff. 
I suppose on the other side, you could argue that he's going to have a much, uh, a much bigger pool of talent to, to call in on. So the, you know, he'll be able to build a side in his mould and, and really he is going to inherit a, a Welsh squad that has more strength in depth than it has done at any other point in the professional game. Yes. Uh, 100%. I mean, um, we are well placed. It's just any, any, any team can go, even though we're, like you say, the uh, deepest squad we ever had and all that. Uh, any team can go pear shaped if the, if the management's not right. So we'll see. I mean, uh, it, it can go one of two ways now for Pivak. He's either inherited a really nice team, you know, a, re- a really nice setup to go yeah. open to, or he could feel like he's going on after Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the, yeah. you can't, you can't reach the same heights, yeah. you know, because you, so it can go one of two ways and, um, it'd be interesting. I mean, first of all, we've got the small matter of the World Cup to come, but, well, um, yeah. See. Yeah. I, I think, uh, yeah, I think going on after Elvis is, you know, could be the, could be the perfect analogy, but mm. we'll, uh, we'll have a look at Wales again a little bit more in the second half, but first we have a very quick break. Plenty still to come on the Attacking Scrum podcast, but first up, we've got two to go on fact or fiction. So we're going to talk about the Ospreys now, Murph, and this is definitely something we've, we've covered before. Ospreys look a much better attacking threat when Price plays at 10. Fact or fiction? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to say fact, mm. um, purely because, it, you know, they're known for kicking a lot this year. Yeah. And Sam Davis has been the main exponent of the kicking game mm-hmm. for the Ospreys. I mean, he does disguise his kicks well and everything else and make pretty shapes of them. But, he, you know, but he is just kicking a lot. So, um, yeah, it would be interesting to see Luke Price alongside Scott Williams more at some yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, that's unfortunately timed injury for, mm-hmm. for the Ospreys and for Scott Williams, but. Yeah, I agree. You do feel like there's something there's something to come out of that, isn't there? Because that's where you want Scott Williams getting the ball, you know, where you've got a where you've got a fly off who can who can take it flat and if he can run some some good lines, he's a powerful he's a you know, we know we know what a powerful player is and and what a threat he can be in attack. So yeah, I agree. I think that's that's gonna be an interesting one. Mm. Again, to go, to go back to recruitment, though, it's going to be an interest. Should should Sam Davis leave, as we're saying, is a a rumor at the moment. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. You'd imagine that they're they they've got a, a ten lined up, or will need to find one. Yeah, the, the, it seems a bit like musical chairs with the outside halves, if that's the case. You know, like if, if Sam Davis goes to Newport, or or if any of the if there's any truth in any of these rumors, then mm. something the Ospreys obviously watching someone else. I mean, there was a long time ago. There was rumours of um, uh, the Ospreys moving in for Anscombe if yeah. he's uh, unsettled at the Blues. So, um, but that I, I haven't heard anything. I mean, I think if it was going to happen, we would have heard that. At the moment, it's only del- de- deliberating is Anscombe whether he goes for the big money over the border. So, um, yeah, the whole Anscombe thing seems to hinge on his appeal around this wage bracket thing doesn't it so mm. if um you know going, going to the Ospreys wouldn't necessarily solve that unless they were prepared to you know I don't know if they could they I don't even know whether they'd be allowed to top up his wages but you know it, no. presumably if he gets the this clarity over what wage bracket he's in and he's able to he's eligible for a pay increase you'd imagine he'd stay at Cardiff wouldn't you otherwise then yeah he'll probably take the money in yeah, it, it it makes me slightly uneasy to be honest because uh, it, it, if he, he, I mean, he's the first choice Wales outside half, mm. and if he takes the bigger money, he can't play for Wales anymore. Yeah. So obviously, playing for Wales, I mean, it, I'm be, it, being quite harsh on the guy. Yeah. I mean, he's got a short career and he's, he's got to earn what he's got to earn, I suppose. But I can't imagine. A native Welshman giving up the Welsh ten shirt to mm. go and play in England. That's that. I, I've said it out loud. There you are. Well, no, uh, no, you, you go for it. it. Yeah, I just it, it doesn't feel right. You're in that position, about to go to the World Cup, and you're talking about possibly, you know, you, I, I, like I say, I, I, 
I back him for the money thing because he he could injure himself next season mm. and never play again theoretically. But I it can't it can't be that important to him playing for Wales if if the money is just the I don't know I, it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like any other recent ten in Wales is. Uh, background would give up that shirt for the money. All right, playing devil's advocate here, though. Obviously, someone like Dan Bigger has been able to go and, and pick up a much bigger paycheck by playing mm. abroad because he's reached that that sixty uh, that sixty cap threshold. Yeah. Could you say that you know that Anscombe is here trying to to engineer a situation where he can? Earn the money, you know, earn his market value within Wales. Because the thing that I think is flawed, oh, always, yeah, always, the, the yeah. thing I think is flawed here is that you know, supposedly the top bracket of um, uh, of a Welsh international player now is going to be dependent on whether you're a Lions player or not. Now that for me is a you know is a really strange thing to have because you know right now we've had Gatland as head coach for. For Wales, uh, sorry, for the Lions, for the last two tours. Now, mm. with him coaching Wales day in, day out, you know there's going to be the odd 50-50 call where he goes with the guy that he knows. That mm. presumably won't be the case next time round. So getting into getting into the Lions is going to be that bit harder. But also, you know, you could play a blinding three seasons um, and then, you know, you break your ankle in, in the Six Nations in, in 2021 and you don't become a Lion and then don't step up that pay bracket. The whole thing mm. about the Lions to me is completely irrelevant to what service you put in for Wales. You could have a head coach who just doesn't fancy you. You know, there could be, there could be, uh, you know, there could be five outstanding open side flankers from within the, the British Isles and you just don't get, you just don't get the nod, but that doesn't mean that you're not a no. good enough player. It's it, the, the Lions thing, I think, is the bit that, that does change the, the situation. But I get what you're saying. It doesn't sit easy. And Anscombe has been something of a Marmite player, I think, for other people. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, well, I, yeah. Uh, I think everything we're hearing in the media now, right now, is coming straight from his agent. I yeah, don't I think agree. There's I agree. an awful lot of Anscombe saying anything. His agent is speaking and he's trying to squeeze every last penny he can, which is his job. Mm. Uh, every last penny out of his contract for his player. And if he needs to, it's a little bit like no deal, I guess, in a Brexit yeah, yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah. If he needs to dangle no deal or I, I'm going over the border, over the heads of the WIU or Cardiff or whoever they're negotiating with. Mm. then that's what he's doing to squeeze. But, uh, I mean, it, 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 if the WIU call their bluff and he does go over the, does go over the border for the 500,000 mm. contract or whatever, and he's given up his international career, and then, then you're thinking, well, I, that, that's probably the bit where the agent speak doesn't ring true, because yeah. I don't think Anscombe... Obviously, he's got to stay fit to be in the Welsh team, so that, that's a concern, because he, he could go to Bristol get injured and still be on the same money. Whereas, you know, he, he, if he stays here, he gets his Cardiff money. Yeah. And then, and then if he's playing, if he's fit, only if he's fit, does he get his, get his Wales money, appearance money, and what have you. So that is the dilemma for him. But I, I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem, doesn't seem very Welsh to be, to just be mm. considering money for the Welsh number 10 jersey. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm more fashioned. Yeah, no, look, I, I understand that. It's, uh, it's just a, it's a tricky, messy situation. And, mm. I, and to me, as much as anything, I think it shows the flaws in the, in the banding system, particularly yeah, the being the, the, the kind of the, the top echelon of that. But I agree. Oh, was that, oh okay. So the WIU is imposing this banding system yeah, and the, yeah, the yeah, higher, yeah. the higher banding is for ones who are light, I see. Lions, who are right. players, which again, just doesn't seem to make, to make no. sense for me, but, yeah. At the same time, it's a it's another well, thing, distraction, it, I, I, isn't it? But that that gets even more complicated than complicated there because what about the geographical six? Are they in the Are they in the British <laughs> Lions banding? God, um, yeah. I mean, that would be so. Corey, who? Yeah. And, uh, and well, uh, I mean, you know, to be fair to Corey Hill, you know, he's established himself now as a as a Welsh international. Yeah. consistently, in, hasn't he? But, brilliant form. I I I, I actually I I. I Actually, he had a little bit of a weep when he scored his try. Yeah. <laughs> it was just an amazing phase of play. And, and he, he picked that line so well and injured himself in the yeah. process of basically winning the game. And, uh, yeah, I had a little weep over that. 
But uh, I spe- and, and and I immediately thought of of Brian O'Driscoll saying Corey Who. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah, saying, yeah. well, that's Corey who there, right there, just yeah. beating England at home. Yeah. Um, we had a weird situation. We were talking about the Ospreys at some point, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, who cares? Who cares? I can, I can never concentrate long enough. That's why I didn't no, I know. pass any exams. We do, um, we do have a tendency to, to, to roll off onto, onto yeah. tangents. But yeah, yeah. look, I, I, just to bring it back to that, I'd, I'd agree and say it's, it's fact as well. And the thing that I found strange the whole season is I was actually quite excited by, by Matt Sherrett ending up at the Ospreys. Because I thought, you know, if you if you looked on how Cardiff had played last season, that was something that I was hoping they'd be able to to slot into the Osprey style of play, particularly, mm. you know, with a couple of a couple of class signings in, you know, in, in Alad Davis and George North and, and Scott Williams, you know, some some real excite, excitement in the back line. But they have seemed to revert to, to a kicking game, which is obviously what Sam Davis gives you. But yeah. at the same time, I think that, you know, I you would hope that there are there are plans to to play a, a more attacking yeah. flat back line than, than what they've done for the bulk of the season. They've shown flashes of yeah. um, of good black play, just not enough. And I mean, obviously, sometimes this platform first back mm. second, you know, so we, it's difficult to judge them. But they have some flashes of. They, they, I think they if they were getting all their best backs on the pitch more often, you know. The, the Williams is in the north, and we, I think there's systems are more in place now than they were early season. So, um, yeah, very interesting to see. They, they must be tracking someone as ten if, if there's if there's possibility of Sam Davis leaving, and I, I I'd love to know who that is. Well, yeah, if anyone uh, if anyone out there has their finger on the pulse, let us know, um, and you can do that at Attacking Scrum. You can do it on Facebook. Uh, you can do it as part of our Facebook group, which is simply called Wales Rugby Fans, if you like. But right, last one for fact or fiction, Murph. Okay. Mike Tyndall's claim, again, you may not have seen this one if you've not had your, your head in the papers this week. Mike oh. Tyndall's claim that there is no way Wales will win the World Cup is utter bollocks. Fact or fiction? <laughs> <laughs> um. On a similar subject, uh, I noticed uh, a week or so ago, um, Eddie Jones ruled himself up for the British Science Yeah, job. that was quite, yeah, I, I ruled myself was... out from that as well. <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking hilarious. I, I just thought, uh, you started it, you said bollocks. That's um, good. And in actual fact, Mike Tyndall's, uh, Mike Tyndall's claim was, uh, there's no effing way Wales will win it. So, you know, there yeah. we go. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, gloves, um, gloves are off for, for 0.5. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, um, uh, but did he did he qualify it or did he just was it just a one-off statement or well, did he had a few of, pints um, and it's part of uh, of a rival podcast which uh, you know is considerably considerably bigger and well more funded than ours. <laughs> um, but I think the crux of it was that the way Wales are playing at the moment and like you kind of touched on at the start of the show kind of more attritional style will not mm. be enough to win the World Cup which oh I see for me I think is. You know, I think actually is a, a style well suited to to World Cup rugby when yeah. things really tense up in a, you know, in a, in a tight game. You kind of you you really want to play the way that that Wales play. Well, I think uh, open games are much more natural come more na- much more naturally to Wales players anyway. So I think we can. I think I don't. Whereas in the past people thought we were stuck in the the old Warren Ball thing, mm. I think we can under this uh, squad. I think we can switch it on quite easily. I mean, our opportunity to open up was the Italy game. We made ten changes, and it was like a stilted performance. But uh, England went full strength against yeah. Italy, and then uh, smashed them. So to me, they they would. Obviously, they get headlines because they're the biggest country, you know, and the media is mm. dominated from over the border. And, uh, but they, to me, they were flat, flat island games. They just went all games blazing every game, no matter who the opposition. Mm. So obviously, Italy were going to crumble. And even then, they still, even when they were scoring tries all over the place, it was still a lot of kick reliant stuff from crossfield kicks and stabs through from Owen Farrell and what have you. So he's got a point that England 
I'm assuming he was favouring England's chances uh, over ours when he said that made that statement. You know, I can't qualify that either because I haven't I've listened to it in full. But okay, well, let's just put words in his mouth anyway. Fine, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> uh, and because they were a much more free score inside the mm. season, but we, we when we had the opportunities, he's getting uh, stuck on my words. When we had the opportunities to open up, we made ten changes and we were just kind of doing enough as we did through every game but also which you know you're you're a man who likes his horses Murph right and I'm Mm -hmm. a man uh, I'm a man who likes the the horse racing as well but you know what is a better what is a better form line what's the the real quality form is it smashing Italy at home with you know with that England squad which is tantamount to you know Altior going out around Saturday <laughs> up against nothing and winning by 60 lengths. That's a bad yeah. example with it being Altior because he is a, a brilliant racehorse. But, you know, that, it's, it's that example of racehorse going out and winning by 60 lengths against nothing. Mm. And, or is it actually the, some really strong Cheltenham form during the festival, which is, I think, what Wales did during the Six Nations. You know, they ground out yeah. hard right. games. And mm. that to me is better form going into a World Cup than, than however many points you, you stick over Italy. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you'll start me off on an anti-English rant if you're not careful. <laughs> uh, like this season, uh, the, one of the reasons why I mentioned Eddie Jones is uh, turning down the Lions job, which no one had offered to him. Mm. Uh, they've been ranting about the back row. I mean, Tom Cuddy's had a great mm. debut season. Well, he's only 20 and he looks out of a prospect. Uh, Mark Wilson is at the blind side. They go mad over. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like, well, yeah, okay, so so now you're picking flankers. Mm. Last year, you were playing Malo Atoji in the back row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, lo and behold, if you pick a flanker, he does his job as a flanker on the pitch. Yeah. Whereas if you pick a, an oversized, you know, second rower, he's going to, I mean, he didn't, he didn't embarrass himself. Anyway, no, he's but, 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 but he's just not games, as good. He's just not as good. Games they were, the games they were shown up against uh, last season were against, were against France, where France did a number on them at the breakdown. Mm. And uh, who else did who else did them at the breakdown? Uh, Ireland, Ireland, and Scotland. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and that you know that's the that's the thing, isn't it? Is you, yeah, like you say, if you if you pick players out of position, especially somewhere like the back row, yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get shown up against sides who do have proper proper nuisances in in the pack who are able to to really disrupt and mm. and you know yeah, look, I'm I'm with you on that. I I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't I wouldn't be writing them out you know, from the World Cup because there's they've still got a hell of a lot of good players there. But um, you know, at the same token I wouldn't be writing off Ireland and I certainly wouldn't be writing Wales off. No, I mean we've got Australia in our group and the rest are really doable. So mm. we're 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 guaranteed quarter final and you know anything can happen from there. So I think you've got to top the group, haven't you? If we're gonna if we're gonna win the World Cup, you've got to top that group and play whoever finishes second in the England, France, Argentina group. And right. really, in order to do that, you just, you know, you need to beat Australia and then go about the other games in a professional manner. Mm. And beating Australia has never looked more achievable. And I know we've, mm. we've made a hash of it a number of times, but right now they're, they're in a re- you know, they've been in a real mess for, for mm. quite some time and we've beaten them in the autumn. So you've got to go into that with, with some severe conf- confidence. Yeah, but but the uh, the point I was making was that even if we didn't, uh, based on Six Nations form, mm. we could be we could be in a tough quarterfinal and just do enough again, like we yeah. did against Ireland. Mm. Uh, we smashed them, but we could just do enough uh, uh, to, to win through, against yeah. yeah to get England. And, uh, like whereas in previous World Cups, I'd be like, Ooh, avoid them, oh, don't play them. Mm. Uh, I would, you know, there's only only New Zealand I'd avoid now. I don't think it, I think Wales should avoid anyone. Yeah, look, I, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think New Zealand is obviously a different is a different level up again. But you know, if you if you want to win the World Cup, then yeah, well, play yeah. them in the final, isn't it? Play them yeah. in the final. You don't, yeah, yeah. don't don't play them don't play them in the yeah, in the quarters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, look, yeah. that brings fact or fiction to a close. We're gonna have a look at uh, we're gonna have a look at next week's games and preview at kind of the end of the the Pro 14 season. But astonishing, I think it's the first time this has ever happened. We've had. Fact, 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 fact. Really? Yeah. I'm just so, I'm I'm just so agreeable. 
That's it. You make, yeah. you make, a, you make a good point. <laughs> maybe I've just made it. Maybe I've just come up with some really obvious statements. If you'd have prompted me, I could have disagreed and just talked, <laughs> talked my way into another position. <laughs> yeah, let's have a look at uh, the games next week. Now, obviously, the one that, that springs out, and I'm going to get accused of being biased towards Cardiff Blues, which people have accused me of lately, which isn't, isn't the case. Um, but they're really kind of, that's, that's a huge game. They've got Connacht away. And uh, yeah, that is almost the, the the whole season kind of hinges on this game, I would say. Yeah, I, I, and um, the the broader picture for Welsh rugby is um, European qualification. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, because uh, obviously we want uh, we want all our teams to beat the Irish teams. Yeah. Uh, so Connor would be ideal, but if they don't, if they don't get what they want, they're going to have to beat the Ospreys. And that'll be a, a really big game. Then I don't know where the Ospreys might be at that stage, but mm. that could be like a, a, well, a European playoff. So Ospreys have uh, Southern Kings. They conclude their South Africa mini tour next week. So they've got Southern Kings away now. Based on this week's form, the Ospreys I thought were 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 pretty were pretty good. You know, against yeah, against I did, yeah. away cheaters. Mm. You know is. Um, is not uh, that's know, tricky, yeah. Yeah, yeah. is it is a, a tricky fixture. Southern, Southern Kings are, are utter utter guff. So yeah. you know, you, they could they could very easily come out of that with five points. Oh, I'd be amazed if they don't get five points. Mm. I mean, uh, the Southern Kings are everyone's banker apart from the Dragons. Not exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that, that I'd be amazed if they don't get five points there. But then that could end up then, like I said, with the Ospreys Cardiff game playing to see who ends up in Europe, not necessarily playoff position. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, we playoff would be nice, yeah, but I think, I think Europe is a much bigger prize than being in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and we've got this strange scenario as well where you could have, should Leinster or Munster go on and win, uh, win Europe, you could have eight, oh, right, yeah, eight qualifiers. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, you, you know, obviously, we've, we always have these kind of slightly strange quirks in the, the pro 10, 12, 14, whatever it is. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a really interesting one. But to go, but yeah, to go back to Connor versus, versus Blues, you know, they've, they've got to go there and believe that they can, they can get something out of that because. Really, you know, Connacht are a good solid side and it's a hard place mm. to go, but yeah. it's, it's almost cut, you know, it's almost cut rugby. It is. Yeah. And, um, I'm afraid to say. Josh Navidi's not available and yeah, they can't yeah, defend yeah. very well without him, as I said earlier. Um, that would be a big blow to it for me, for their chances of winning in Connaught. Um, Mind you, you'd rather be going to Galway in April than you would in <laughs> yeah. you would at the start of January, wouldn't you? But, yeah. you know, you you can never rely on weather conditions being... being well, ha- having, said, ha- having said that, I, I don't know uh, what Connaught's injury list is like or whether they haven't fully integrated their international since the Six Nations but they only scraped past Sebre away yeah that's right uh, yesterday so I mean hopefully that's the start of some bad form for them and because um, it's not just is it uh, isn't one of the other regions playing Connor for the end of the season or have I mixed them up somewhere else uh, let me double check because I did make a note on these ones um, well I mean Connacht have yeah you're uh, so Connacht have Cardiff Blues next week and then they finish against Munster Oh, right. okay. uh, in, yeah, in the last day of the season. So that's a, you know, I know it could be a tough fixture or it, it might be that Munster have got bigger fish to fry, but either way, they're, you know, they're, they're a hard team to beat, aren't they? So yeah. for me, it all hinges on this game. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, it, like I say, actually, no, I'm not, I'm not, I know because Connor will be so much better off. I was thinking about I was thinking about the Ospreys game. If Cardiff could then beat the Ospreys after, even if they lose to Connor, mm-hmm. they could leave it the Ospreys. But of course, Connor would be out of sight by then, wouldn't they? It could leave it open. They could leave it open to the Ospreys, couldn't they? If, it if could Cardiff win, yeah, 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 yeah. It could. So, um, yeah, if uh, that's a proper three, it's a proper yeah, three-way three three go, that is. There. And, mm. and you know, Ospreys, yeah, as we said, you'd expect them to pick up five which would mm. leave them on 54 points. Blues are currently on 52 and Connacht on 56. So the winner out of that is, is going to be really, uh, is going to be really interesting. And yet yeah. to have Ospreys playing Blues on the last day of the season as, as part of Judgment Day, um, it's mm. almost one of those rare scenarios where you might have something to, <laughs> something to play for at Judgment Day. Whereas a lot of the time they've been kind of dead rubbers, but that could, yeah. that could be a, you know, a, a winner takes all scenario. 
Yeah, for, for either for, for the playoffs or, or the, um, all the European um, qualifications. So, yeah. yeah, it could be a mad day. Going back to what you were just saying about Leinster and Munster, if they win the European Cup, then they'll open up another slot. Yep. At the moment, who do you want to win the European Cup? One, as in, like, not taking into account that European, uh, sorry, that European qualification slot. Yeah, no, just just based purely on who's left. You know, no Wales allegiances, just... Um... God, it's hard, isn't it? Uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm bored. I'm, I'm bored sick of Leinster. Um, <laughs> you know, look, terrific side that they are. You know, they're they're just too good, and uh, I don't take a great deal of pleasure out of watching them play rugby, if I'm honest. Um, well, they're in they're in a similar drop of form that um, drop in form uh, that Ireland are in. Mm. They're, not, they're not firing at all. So uh, at the moment, I, I mean, they're probably still favourite, but at the moment, based on the last. Two three months of rugby, yeah, they're not at their best, and I probably I probably fancy Saracens over them. But yeah, I mean, I would probably want to lose. I would say out of the four, just exactly. At least I can't they, they I can't stop thinking rugby. about it. <laughs> I can't, I've never <laughs> wanted, apart from the Grand Slam, I never wanted anything more, especially for a team I don't really support, to lose yeah. against Racing ninety two at home uh, in nineteen ninety two's fancy stadium with the roof and the big screen and all that. That was a, it was an amazing game yeah, of rugby, and the, game some rugby. of the some of the rugby that Toulouse played just reminded me of them in their pomp, sort of late nineties, early yeah. early this century. And I love it. If it's like full of twenty year olds as well. Yeah, I would love it if they won the European Cup. Yeah, just I, I would. And they, I, I always want the team that plays the most rugby to win yeah. the European Cup. Yeah. In other words, not Saracens. Yeah, no. Look, I, again, I take no enjoyment watching Saracens win. If I'm, you know, <laughs> being being completely, and this is this is not me pretending to be some pseudo broadcaster here. This is me talking as a fan. If you're watching a game in a pub and Saracens are playing, I want most teams to beat them. Um, <laughs> I would really, you know, it's like yeah. I don't know, like, you, and again, I think that's just the way, isn't it? Like, if you don't have an allegiance mm. to a very successful side, and they mm. play very. You know, yes, very effective, but it's not necessarily the most attractive rugby. No. And yeah. if I'm honest, they're breaking the salary cap. You know, if I'm wrong on that, sue me. But, um, <laughs> but you yeah. know, it's like, I don't know. I don't take any joy in it. I don't take much joy in watching Saracens play. Mun- no. You know, Munster and Leinster, again, uh, sim- similar kind of bracket, really. I think they're, they're both very good sides. But, yeah, Toulouse genuinely get me excited because there's, there's, there's almost a flaw in there. There's this kind of romantic flaw that they mm. could beat anyone and throw it away on any given day. So, yeah, I, 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 think, I think you're right, actually. It has to be Toulouse out of those, out yeah. of those four. I mean, I didn't object uh, to Leinster winning last season because they, play, they played really attractive mm. rugby, you know, and that was, that's what I want. The be- I want the best team the winners of it all to be the team that plays the most attractive rugby. That's yeah. the way I just... I, I just got a bit fed up of them flying in off their feet at the breakdown and never mm, getting pinged for yeah. it, which kind of got my got my, got my guy up a bit. But yeah. um, There's a few teams that, that seem to go around being immune to refereeing. Like, yeah. uh, uh, the Glasgow Warriors, for example, I've, I don't know if you saw me, I'm mm. getting a bit rude on Twitter. I've, I've, I've uh, renamed them the Side Entry Warriors. <laughs> Is it, they just... They just do whatever they want at the rack and it's just like as if they've got uh, Harry Potter invisibility cloak on they just yeah. do whatever especially when they're playing the Welsh side it seems to be <laughs> not that I'm one-eyed at all but um, mm. yeah and the, it's been a thing when uh, uh, teams like Munster have been dominant in Europe and Leicester have been dominant in Europe they've been the best at cheating at the breakdown every time whereas when Leinster won in last year. Okay, they were they weren't they were no slouches at the breakdown, but they were actually playing rugby and running rings. Around no, they people. were. Yeah, yeah. Whereas some sides like Saracens and then historically Munster, historically Leicester, the hardest thing about playing them was the fact you couldn't have the ball. Yeah. And if you did have the ball, you wouldn't have any quick ball ever because they're going to lie on it until mm. the referee eventually penalises them. And that's why Toulouse is my <laughs> is my current. Um, my current bow. Fair enough. <laughs> Even the little French bit of parlance in there. <laughs> right, let's yeah. quickly get a few predictions off you then, Murph, for the last, um, well, for, yeah, for the last part of the show and for next week's games. So okay. let's go first up with a fixture we haven't spoken about at all. Scarlet's at home to Zebra. Uh, Scarlet's, yes. Uh, what am I just saying? Just Scarlet by how much? Or? Well, go for it, yeah. yeah. How, uh, bonus point. Okay, I think Scarlet's labour to that one, I think. Do you? Yes, I do. Uh, 
But yeah, I hope, hopefully I'm wrong because again, it'd be nice to watch them. Uh, nice to watch a, a few tries if nothing else. Um, mm. Kings Ospreys, we've kind of alluded to that, but that feels like a five point win, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, they've done the hard job, don't they? The, the cheaters are the, the tricky one. And if yeah. they've played well enough to get a bonus point there, they should comfortably do that against the Kings. Cheaters versus Dragons. Will the Dragons get their first away win since 2004? No, I don't think so. <laughs> not if they can't beat the Kings. No, you'd imagine not. And, yeah. and then Connacht versus Cardiff Blues. What's going to happen there? Um, Will Navidi be missing be too much for them? I think so. Uh, and they look like a side who are really comfortable at home at the moment mm. and not that clever away. So I think... Uh, just a narrow Connaught win myself. Uh, and if, if, like, uh, you shouldn't read too much into one player, but I think he's massively underrated. And, uh, is, what's his nickname? Some of the blues call him the Dreads of Destruction. Dreads of Destruction. Which I think yeah. is, a, is a great nickname. Uh, if he was there, I'd fancy a, a narrow Cardiff victory the other way around. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's some player. And I, you know, I've said numerous times I was, I was worried whether he'd be able to make that step up to international rugby. And every time he pulls on the red jersey, he makes me look like more and more of an idiot because he, <laughs> he's just, you know, he's, um, interestingly enough, was it, uh, was it Paul James's testimonial dinner a few weeks back? Oh, yeah. And Sam Wolverton was on the panel. And when asked about what would happen when Toby Falatau's fit again, he says, well, look, Toby's only got to lace up his boots and there'll be a high profile a high-profile player missing from that Welsh back row. And you mm. kind of get the feeling that it would probably be Moriarty out of the out of those three, which is, you know, which is testament to how well Navidi has played. Yeah. Just, I mean, there was a lot of uh, uh, unheralded uh, performances in the Grand Slam mm. victory. Uh, uh, but uh I know he did get man of the match in one game actually, Josh Navidi, I think, didn't he? Yeah, but, he did. Uh, it was a strange, like it was a strange. It was like Italy or something, wasn't it? Yeah, I can't remember. But yeah. he 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 doesn't get enough plot. I mean, I think Tom Francis was excellent, the best he's been for Wales in his career. I think he might season. be Wales' most improved player. Yeah, yeah. and 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 others. I, I mean, like uh, Ken Owens these days. I've been a critic in the past. Uh, uh, of his throwing in and different things. No, not his throwing in, more of his scrummaging. I was never a fan of his scrummaging. But he, since he's been a lion, he's improved so much. And I think the drop off between him and the rest of the hookers in Wales is massive now. It's just a, it's just a cliff face down to, I mean, Elliot, he's no mug and there's other good hookers around, but Ken Owens is head and shoulders the best now. Whereas I was never, I was never convinced a few seasons ago. Uh, so him and just, you know, obviously lots of, up front in particular, I think it was loads of really good performances. Yeah, it was. Most players, and um can't remember what, what the point was. Just generally how good... Uh, Just me rambling. Is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, us rambling seems like a suitable place to finish. Murph, thank you very much for your company on this Sunday evening. Enjoyed uh, enjoyed catching up, and we'll have to Thanks do me, mate. podcast very, very soon. I'm, 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 I'm eventually going to do a face-to-face with you and, uh, you and Dan, and... Oh, that's podcast. It. Does Dan Killick really exist? That's the that's the question. Is he uh, yeah? Is he just this little uh, this little creature that we've created? Uh, he's like um, he's like you, and then uh, doing you, and then you do like an impersonation of, right, yeah. of this other guy. I should yeah. just start doing that. We'll have we'll have Sean Holly present it, <laughs> it with me every week. Maybe not. Uh, but thanks very much to the listeners as well. Really appreciate you tuning in. The uh, the show has gone from from strength to strength in terms of listener figures, and that's all down to the support that everyone's given it. So thank you very much for listening. Carry on doing the same. Leave us a review on iTunes if you can, and we'll be back to talk rugby with you next week. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.